0: Hey, Brett. How's it going this week?
1: Good, Ange. How are you?
0: Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance, and everyone's favorite part of the episode, we ask Brett a trivia question.
1: Dum-dum-dum.
0: So, Brett, this one, I feel like most of the time I give you numerical answers, and then you're like, oh, well, you know, 30% or 40%, who cares? So today, I'm just going to ask you for, like... A non-numeric answer, right? So what does IPS stand for in the personal finance realm?
1: Interpersonal Social Security.
0: And no. So the first word is investment. So I'll let you take another investment stab Investment
1: Portfolio Securities?
0: No. Investment Policy. And do you want to take a stab at the last?
1: I'm doing so well so far. So... <laughs> It's definitely not anything related to social or security. Investment policy society?
0: Investment policy statement.
1: Wow, this sounds really riveting.
0: Oh, so it is really exciting, actually. And it is something everybody should have. And I bet most people don't.
1: Okay. What is what is an investment policy statement since I've never heard of one?
0: Basically, it's your personal investment strategy is a good way to think about it, or investment plan. So I have one of these that I wrote up and essentially it helps me to feel confident in my investing decisions, especially when we're going through like a market downturn or maybe the market has a lot of movement, which anybody who hasn't been living under a rock would know that lately there's been a kind of a lot of movement in the market.
1: Right. And for people that have been living under a rock, FYI, there has been a lot of movement in the market.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So basically all this is is a plan. Um, There's kind of like four big parts of this plan. So the first one is to come up with like your objectives or goals with investing, which a lot for a lot of people, it would be I want to retire by a certain age and then you kind of backtrack to say how much do I need at retirement how much can I contribute and you know what so what does my portfolio need to return a year right mm-hmm. and so for some people it's gonna be you know maybe maybe four percent maybe for others it's eight percent right and then from there you can say well this is my objective um, you know, I want to be able to retire comfortably with this much money, so I need to earn this interest rate. And then that kind of gets you to, well, what should my asset allocation be, right? Because if you need to get 8% instead of 4%, you probably need to be a little bit more invested in stocks and bonds.
1: Okay, so so having this just helps you set up kind of like the, the bumpers, right? The, right. Like, for like bumper bowling, uh, the guidelines that you have for your investment journey, whether it's for stuff that happens next week or stuff that happens when you're like ready for retirement, you just like have it all kind of like laid out really quickly to know these are the guidelines that I'm going to follow.
0: Exactly. So um, kind of, and I think anybody, if you have ever tried to rebalance your 401k, this is actually a good point to bring this up because you'll notice you can rebalance your current portfolio or you can rebalance future contributions.
1: Right. Okay. So, yeah, your scheduled adjustment or the stuff that you already have invested.
0: Right. Retroactively
1: or proactively.
0: Correct. And so an investment policy statement, that's typically going to encompass both of those, right? So if you're making changes, you can feel comfortable knowing, yes, I want to make this change in both places because I want, you know, an an 80% stock, 20% bond allocation. Not just in the money that I'm contributing going forward, but also the money that I currently have invested.
1: Right. Because, I mean... Just because I set that ratio four years ago and haven't touched it since then, well, the market has fluctuated and the stuff that I am invested in has gone up and down. So the market in our case right now for, uh, what is this, August 2019, the the market has been like gangbusters for like the last several years. So all of my like stock investments as that part of my portfolio, the more aggressive side of it, that has gone way up compared to what the bond rate was. So my allocation from what I put in 4 years ago is probably way out of whack. It's probably no longer, you know, 10% bonds, 90% stocks because my stock value has increased so much.
0: Correct. So yeah, you're probably like 95% stock, 5% bonds and if you look at that, um kind of the last section of the investment policy statement would be setting up like a monitoring framework where once a year, I'm gonna log into my investment account, or for some people, maybe it's once every quarter, whatever you're comfortable with, and I'm gonna look at my asset allocation. Now, I'm not gonna look at the value, I'm not gonna, a loss of, you know, 10% in the stock market isn't gonna trigger any event for me because I'm above that, I have a solid IPS, right? And so I'm gonna log in and I'm gonna look at my personal asset allocation. And if it is too far off from what I set, so you know, if you log in and you wanna be at 90.10, but you're at 90.5 and 9.5%, that's probably okay, right? Mm-hmm. That's in the ballpark. But if you're at 95.5, that's pretty far away. Um, so in your investment policy statement, you can kind of come up with, if it is, you know, 1% or more away from the the target i set, then i'm going to reallocate my portfolio. If not, i'm going to just let things be.
1: Right. And you can you can tweak that by adding more future investment toward bonds, right? If you're if you're leaning more heavily toward like the stock side of it, right? Right. Or you can re, you know, what does that mean? You can sell your Stock side of your portfolio and buy more bonds, all within the same fund, or or the different funds that are part of the four hundred and one k, right, or whatever that investment vehicle is. Right. So, is there any penalty doing that? Do I have to worry about like like capital gains or anything when I move that money around? So,
0: if it's a retirement account, you do not need to worry about that. You can just go ahead and move your money around that money is not taxable currently anyways cuz it's a tax sheltered account. Yep. Um, now if you have a taxable account, so if you're putting post tax, you know, so basically you're if you're bringing home a paycheck and you're investing in a mutual fund outside of your 401k or IRA, that is a that is a taxable account, right? Mm-hmm. And in those accounts, if you have if you're moving it from um, stocks to bonds, and let's say, you know, Brett kind of gave the example. We started investing more so back in like 2010, 2011. The market's pretty much been going up the past 8-9 years. And so, if you have these stocks that you picked up years ago and you've earned all this money on them and then you try to sell them and buy bonds, you might trigger capital gains tax because you're you have capital gains, right? You, right. you made a profit the things on that money. you
1: invested in went way up, and yeah, you you made money out of nothing, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so people with taxable accounts might find that if they want to change their allocation, you can still sell stocks and buy bonds. But if you want to avoid those taxes, um, because the taxes incur at the sale of a of the of the mutual fund, you could just go ahead and say, okay, I want to get this. You know, back in line. So maybe for the next six months, I'm going to shift my current allocation to get back to the, the target allocation that I want.
1: So all the future money coming out of my paychecks is going to go more heavily toward bonds, right? In until order to, I, in order to catch back,
0: until up. I get back to the allocation I I want. Yeah, and then you
1: avoid that whole you There's know, no, no tax risk situation. Of, yeah, no risk of like penalties or capital gains taxes for any anything. Again, those only apply to outside of your retirement vehicles. Right. Okay,
0: um, Okay, so I just kind of wanted to talk through some of the points here that I think are important. Uh, the other thing I want to mention really quick before I start doing a deeper dive into what this is, is an, an IPS can be as simple or as complicated as you want to make it, right? So everybody should have one, in my opinion, but it could be as simple as you know, I basically just invested in my four hundred and one k, and I want to, you know, keep a, you know, certain stock bond allocation, and I'd like to have some money in international stocks. Okay. Right. I mean, it could be as simple as that, right? And it can be as complicated as detailing, uh, you know, what percentage I want in. Uh, manufacturing or IT, right? So you can go very detailed, where you just, where instead of just saying I want 80% stocks, 20% bonds, you could say within that stock realm, I want this much of real estate or this much of, right? So you can make it I air probably towards our listener base, keeping it a little bit more simple to start, and you can always develop it further,
1: right? Right, and and for most people, right, keeping it simple, maybe the how you keep it forever. There, right. There's probably you know unless you're getting really into the details and you want to pay more attention and you want to start moving things around to game some things a little bit more, um, you know some more like medium to high level stuff, uh, then you can you can look into that a little bit more. But for most people, the 90% of any audience, you're probably just gonna like set it as like I'm gonna I'm gonna be this aggressive in my. 30s and 40s. And then I'm going to roll that back a little bit more, right? I'm going to get a little bit more toward bonds when I'm like in my 50s. Right. And right, that, that's as complicated as it needs to be.
0: Right. Because obviously, if, you know, I've had several people ask me lately, oh, well, what about individual stocks? Well, think about how complicated this is going to get if you're trying to set a strategy for buying individual stocks. So, I say leave that to the professionals, <laughs> the people who are so interested in investing that they make a living out of it. And if that's not you, you probably just don't need to overcomplicate it. Even Warren Buffett says that most people should be passively investing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I don't know. I'd trust the guy because he's literally made his living. On it. So, <laughs> um, okay, so I just wanted to add a couple other things here. So, really, uh, an IPS will help give you kind of actionable items to avoid m- making irrational decisions in a market downturn, which is why I thought it was a good time to start talking about it because I have seen and heard so many people in the last month with. You know, we've had some 5% movements, right? We had one day that lost 3% in a day. It's not even anything as crazy as it's been historically. And even the news was like, sell all of your stocks. You know, get out <laughs> of the market. And first of all, if you if your IPS is to listen to the news anchor, then I really suggest that you get a different uh, investment policy statement because that, <laughs> that would be a terrible decision, right? Right.
1: Yeah, so what? So what is the right strategy? So you want to weather the storm, uh, you know, especially somebody in their 30s and 40s, if they see like, oh my gosh, the market's down 3%, that just means the stuff is on sale for you to buy more. Right. Right? Or, and, you know, we're very likely, again, like I said, this is August 2019, so we'll see what happens in the next couple of months, but, you know, it's very likely that in the next at least year time frame, we're going to see a lot of, you know, downturn in the market. This is... You know, we're just starting to barely see probably what it's going to drop at, and you never know what's going to happen. But right,
0: it could go up another twenty percent before it drops.
1: Right, but it and did... I
0: think that's what's important to remember is a recession is always coming, but the next recession might be ten years away.
1: Right, it will drop again. There's a hundred percent certainty that it will like go down again. Right,
0: right. but right? it will also go up again.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll. So in your in your lifespan, like for your retirement, you know, your retirement lifespan. Uh, for when you're investing all this money, the market will probably go up and down in crazy cycles three or four times, right? If you're in your 30s and 40s right. now, you have you know 30 more years to you know weather this storm. Yeah, the market's going to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And the point of having this statement, right, or this kind of like roadmap or goal, you know, goals, whatever you want to call it, for your investment, you know, strategy, is to just stay on target, right? Stick to the plan. And right. like don't it'll just say like, no, this was my plan and I knew this I knew this market downturn was gonna happen. And right. this is what I do, you know? You get the you get the panic button out and you say like in case of emergency, do these things. Right. Right? And it's do nothing. It's right. just keep it's just keep doing what you've been doing before and the market's gonna correct itself and it's gonna go back up and you will have made more money than you had before. Because you invested while it was in the downturn. Yeah,
0: and I think people who are already retired might say, "Oh, well, surely you're not talking to me because you know I can't risk my money." Well, I think um, the important thing to remember is that even if you are retired, you likely have some type of stock bond allocation. Every all literature out there recommends that, um, but you're not you're not ninety percent stocks, ten percent bonds, right? Because you created this policy statement that said. When I get to retirement age, when I am age 70, I will switch to be 60% stocks and 40% bonds. Well, that means, let's say we take the average retiree in America with about a million dollars, you have $400,000 that is in pretty safe money,
1: right?
0: right. And then you have $600,000 that's doing the up and down. But the lucky thing for you is, you know, maybe your investment policy statement is every quarter. I transfer out how much you know my expenses for the next quarter and I look at my allocation and if it's super wonky maybe I make a tweak and if not I you know let it go and so then you just don't pay attention to it the other months of the year and then when it's time to go back and transfer some more money over you log back in you have you know plenty in your account still. No problem there. You transfer it over. You make your asset allocation adjustment and you move on with your life, right? Right.
1: And I think you just kind of glazed over a super important part that we don't really talk about that often. But um, as a reminder, when you retire, you don't need every single dollar that you've invested in your retirement fund that day, right? right. You shouldn't draw all that money out because you pay huge penalties on it, first of all, um, for like taking it all out in the same year. And... You only need to take out what your expenses are for that year. And when you're in retirement, usually your expenses go down a little bit. Are you, you sh-
0: are you sure, Brett? Because I see a lot of people who retire and buy, like, a Maserati. <laughs> there,
1: there, there are a lot of those. We lived in Orlando for quite a long time, and there were plenty of Lamborghinis and Maseratis and um, uh, what other, you know, Fiskers and Teslas everywhere because everybody wanted the latest, coolest thing. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of people doing that, but I don't, hopefully that's not a lot of the people on this podcast, listening to this podcast. Right, I tease. Um, but right, you know, when you retire, you don't need all that money. So your allocation is not 90% bonds. You don't need to like lock up and freeze up all that money, you know, all 90% of it and keep it 10% risky. It's a lot more closely to like a 40%, 60% split because you're going to, that money's going to be untouchable for probably another 10 15 years right. right well and
0: if you retire when you're you know 65 yeah you're planning for another 20 30 years you don't want to get zero more doublers right, right. Yeah, So you if know. you if you take that if you're doing a 6040 split and you have that you know 600 in the first 10 years of retirement you're gonna get another million Mm -hmm. out of that right and then and then you slowly transfer some of that back over to bonds and that's what you kind of transfer back over to your living expenses and it all works out pretty well and just remember even with a market downturn the market has still averaged nine percent returns a year historically Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not adjusted for inflation if we adjust it for inflation we're at seven percent which is how i get to my doubler logic every 10 (laughs) years Um, but i think that's important to remember because even with the years that I mean I remember in two thousand eight when the recession hit and literally everyone thought that the global economy was crashing. It was terrifying. We thought that was the end of days. I mean the stock market was going down, drop and drop and drop and and now it kinda helped me that I lived through that and was in you know, ex- I was investing at that time a little bit, you know, I've mentioned before I, I worked two jobs to invest. But it, it helps me now because I I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, the market drops a little bit. And here's Chicken Little coming to tell us that the sky is falling. But, <laughs> you know, if if the global markets all crash, we're going to have bigger problems. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, well, now that we got on that nice tangent, uh, the, the next thing I kind of want to talk about, so, okay, we have our action items, we're gonna avoid market, making rational decisions during the market downturns. We're also gonna set some goals, priorities, and investment preferences. So I kind of touched on this in the beginning, but that's really, what are my me- medium and long-term investing goals, right? Do I want to, if I'm in my 20s, do I wanna be able to you know, save for a house t- 10 years down the road? Do I want to invest um, and save for my child's education? Mm-hmm. Do I want to invest and you know save for maybe early retirement? Do I want to retire when I'm 55 instead of 65, and then I'm going to have to make sure I have enough money to cover that gap? Or am I basically just focused on retirement long term? Right? Um, your goals can be anything you want them to be. Maybe you want to save and so that you can invest in starting a business someday right? Um, So there's a lot of different things here that might be your goals. And then the next step is to really kind of set priorities. So what is my order of importance, right? Um, And I think this is going to be completely different for everybody. But I I would just encourage you to make sure even if you're young, and maybe you haven't thought too much about it, and retirement seems really far away, don't let that be the last one on your list, (laughs) right? Um, Because it is important. Uh, And then lastly, investment preferences. So we've already talked about the stock and bond allocation quite a bit, so I I don't think we need to talk about that more. Um, But the other thing to mention here is even with just stocks, and we've done an episode on this a a while ago, but you can find that on our website. Um, But even with stocks, you're going to have like small cap, which is smaller businesses, mid cap, and large cap, which large cap is like your Google, Apple. Um, and then. But on top of that, you're also going to have investment or international stocks that you could invest in mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people out there recommend having a little bit of international exposure right um but again this this can be up to you there's not i'm not here to give you an answer on what this should be i guess i'm just here to say take some time to think about it, you know, with your 401k, if you log in, your company has already kind of narrowed down your fund selections. So a 401k is a great place to start because you have about 20 to choose from, where if you log on to like Fidelity or Vanguard yourself, you have thousands to choose from, and it's super overwhelming. Um, And And they all
1: kind of look exactly the same.
0: Right. And so starting with that, you know, abbreviated list, you can kind of think about like, you know, what, what makes sense here? or What am I interested in investing in? And, and just do some more reading to educate yourself.
1: Okay. So what about, so you, you mentioned that sticking to the plan was one thing. And what if I want to invest in some more interesting things? We said not, not company stocks, right? So I'm not going to invest in like GM because that's kind of ill-advised directly, Right. Um, you know, I'm not going to just go buy one share of GM stock. I'm going to stick with my mutual fund. Um, but what if I want to invest in part of my portfolio in like something new and cutting edge like Bitcoin?
0: Or, or uh, tulips.
1: Tulips. Yeah. Like the flowers. <laughs> yeah, I want to start a flower store.
0: So a lot, when, when Bitcoin came out, a lot of people compared it to like the tulip rush back in the day because the... Uh, the prices were similar, right? It starts out low and it jacks up and it's very speculative, right? Um, and it's exciting. And I know, there, right, and beyond Bitcoin, there's a lot of people who are more so supportive of cryptocurrency in some capacity or blockchain. Now, I think all these things are great, but again, it's kind of going back to that's putting a lot of your eggs in one basket. Because even if you're into cryptocurrency, do you really want to pick a specific one? Or would you rather just invest in the company that is producing, um, help me out with this, Brett, the graphics card that you need to write?
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the graphics cards that you use to run the machines that mine the Bitcoin, right? Right. So you're investing right in the, in the backbone of that industry. Like so, instead of investing in like coal, you're investing in like a particular company that is mining the majority of the coal. Right.
0: right? So, Someone's do you want to invest that. in like the technology that's supporting all cryptocurrency, or do you want to invest in one single cryptocurrency? Right. right? Um, and and so again, I'm not to dissuade you from doing whatever you want to do, um, but I encourage you to think about that sort of thing. If you're interested in investing in that technology, check your mutual fund because you might already be. Investing in a piece of that. Uh-huh. Um, and if you're not, you could look up, you know, is there a fund that has this in it? Or or is there a fund that is like really on the the crypto trend? And they're doing a lot of this in a lot of different capacities, investing in some Bitcoin and some on the back end, right? Right.
1: Um,
0: or if you, if you are one of those enthusiasts and you're like, but I want some of my own, you know, I'm just really into that. I encourage you to... Make that part of your plan, but figure out how much you want to pony up for that. And it probably, again, we're talking about priorities, we're talking about asset allocation. It, something speculative like that probably should not be any sort of majority of your portfolio.
1: Right, and I've got a lot of friends that are both in the cryptocurrency scene, and I consider it more to my other friends that are in like the professional poker playing scene. Um Whereas for the regular person, because you can specialize in both of those areas, you can go like really deep into it and you can become very good at it and you can have all the insider tracks and you can really game the system to some nth degree. Um, But if you're a regular person and you want to like dabble in that space, I think cryptocurrency currently is still a little bit more like gambling is in the first place. And I would not take my retirement funds to the poker table Right? Ever. So, but I would take some other funds that don't have anything to do with my retirement, something that was allocated in more of like a, you know, more of like an investing area or, you know, fun money or entertainment, some other bucket of money that is not my retirement allocation. And then I would play with that area. So, because I'm not afraid to like lose those funds.
0: Right. Because I think the average Joe trying to invest in speculative things like cryptocurrency, They are doing it because they think I can get in, I can get rich quick. They're not, the average person is not just like, oh, this is like a really cool thing that could change the world. And I'm learning about it and understanding like why it's so beneficial or why the technology is so great. Mm -hmm. Like Maybe you are, but a lot of times that's not the case. So you don't want to throw all this money into it. If you don't even understand what you're throwing money into right like i think a lot of people who own bitcoin don't even really understand it mm-hmm. and you know that so that can be difficult um and kind of like brett said if if it's if it's fun for you if it's fun for you to be like oh well i'm speculating on this maybe it'll go up just spend what you would normally spend on fun money right and and use it that way. And if you are getting into it and you're learning about it, and you're like, "Oh, well, I see the potential of this, and I see why there's a future for this," then then maybe you write that into, "Okay, I want you know five percent of my allocation to be in this space." Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just make it part of your plan, whatever that decision is, right?
1: Right, because you can always you can always deviate from the plan, right, or adjust the plan, mm-hmm. but. You can't do that unless you have a plan first.
0: Well, and let's talk about that. So what happens if you decide, hey, it's time for me to change my plan, right? It's not an overnight decision. It should never be an overnight decision because that means that you're not thinking things through. Right. And the whole point of this in the first place is to get you to think about things more. So unfortunately for you, that means if you decide tomorrow you go out and you see some cool new technology that we haven't even discovered yet, and you're like, I'm going to go all in on this. Too bad, so sad. It's not part of your plan yet. And you need to sit down and you need to think about it. Because the big thing about this plan is when you're going to change it, don't just ask yourself why there's all these great reasons to change your plan, but ask yourself why you shouldn't leave your plan as it currently is. Mm
1: -hmm. What
0: is wrong with your current plan that it is not currently fulfilling your objectives that you already wrote out? What objective is not being met that you need to change your plan? Now, I can give an example of this. So, you know, a few years ago, Brett and I were young and spry and in our 20s, and I guess I still am in my 20s, (laughs) but Brett is not anymore. And we had even more of a stock-heavy allocation than we do now. And in our older age, as we've started to settle down, um, we probably carry a little lower emergency fund than most people because we... Would prefer our money to be in the you know market working for us, but it got to the point that we were like, you know, hey, if there's a market downturn, we are going to be more emotional about it than we should be, which what that means is our stock and bond allocation was not at the right level, mm-hmm. right? And so we made we we sat down, we had a talk, and we said, yep, it is time to in our you know current age and situation be at a ninety ten split. And that's a good split for us. We're happy with that split. We're comfortable with that split. And being, you know, 95 to 100% stocks and 0 to 5% bonds, we're just going to grow out of that for now. Right? And that wasn't a reaction to anything. That was more so a, hey, you know, we're getting a little older or, you know, we're moving along our statement or our, our timeline here, and it's time to make a change. Now, if we had more hindsight when we were younger, we might have already built that in, right? And say, as we approach age 30, this is what we want to change our allocation to. But it's good to kind of revisit that and, and make those decisions if you,
1: if you haven't built that in. Right. And there's a lot of factors that are involved in that, right? Like, what are our expenses going to look like? When do we plan to start drawing some of this money out, right? Do I need, right? I don't need as many bonds if I don't plan to, like, pull the money out, right, in that period of time. But- right. You know we may plan to do that in the near future and so we need enough money in that account to be able to pull that out and cover our expenses without having to dip into like the stock side of things
0: right so i should mention that this is more so for our taxable account which is our um you know we might use this money in the in the near future mm-hmm. versus our um, 401ks we kind of said we still agree with the allocation we have in those right um And, you know, an example of somebody might say, well, why did you change, you know, your your taxable one? Well, you know, one of our things has always been we want to make sure if something happened to our car, we would be able to replace it with cash in that event. And we started realizing if we keep a smaller emergency fund because we're comfortable doing that, then if the stock market tanked, we might not have the amount of money that we would want to go and buy a new car. Right, mm-hmm. which is one of our goals. So we saw that there was an objective that wasn't necessarily going to be met, and we reacted. Right, right. Um, and so I think that's important. I think definitely feel free to review your plan, change your plan, but make sure that you're not just changing it based off of an emotional decision, but rather a logical decision. So you can look at your objectives, you can look at your you know future timeline or. Or even just your your goals. Maybe your goals might change, right? And and make adjustments there. Right. But don't just say, "Hey, I want some Bitcoin, so I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cash go, in my I'm 401k and get some of that."
1: Right. I'm gonna go 30-30-30 bond, stock, and Bitcoin. Right. Like that'd be pretty aggressive. Right. Uh,
0: I I think another thing that's aggressive is you know some people will still to this day cash in their 401k to buy a single stock of a company. And I just think that's like,
1: whew. Yeah, because there's, I mean, when some crazy things happen with certain companies, yeah, the stocks go down from, I think, you know, one example, it went from like $40 a share to like $6 a share. And I, I know certain people that, they like cashed out their 401k or they, you know, basically liquidated all their retirement funds and bought up the stock in the company. And I was like, you're dedicating your job to that company, you live in the area where that company is, and if it's a large enough company, then they can control like your uh, value of your home, right? If that company goes under, right. and then you're investing in their stocks, right? So if anything happens to that company, like you lose in all three of those areas, and that's basically all the areas that there are, right? Those are the three legs of the stool, and right, if you have all of them in one basket, that's super super risky, right? You no, know, so maybe you get lucky, and maybe that stock rebounds, and you gain a bunch out of it, but I would, you know, if you did make out that way, then amazing, but it could have really gone south the other way, right?
0: Yeah, and, and I And you think, would have lost everything. I think another thing to just caution on that same point is everyone's always heard of their friend who did something like that. And then the stock, you know, rebounded back from $6 to $40 and they, you know, made out like abandoned, right? Mm-hmm. For every story you hear, There are 10 more people who are too embarrassed to tell you their horror story of trying to do something similar.
1: Right. where they just lost a million dollars. Right. Right. And then they have to work until they're like 90 or basically for the rest of their life until they die because they just have nothing left. Right. Um, Or went bankrupt two or three times and can't open a bank account anywhere because then the collections agency will come get money from them. Right. Yeah. One in
0: three (laughs) Americans is in collections, so...
1: Yeah, crazy high <laughs> yeah. statistic. Yeah,
0: a lot of fools out there cashing in four hundred and one ks for stocks. But all right, well, hopefully, um, you know, is there anything else you want to add, Brad, or I guess ask? I, before I, I, yeah, up? I think
1: I think just the whole point of this is, you know, for for fear mongering for you know the future downturn of this market, that you should have a plan here and you shouldn't just like pull a bunch of money out when the market's going to start pulling down like all the chicken littles on the news are you know apparently just said in the last week or so uh when we just had a little blip in the in the radar right so just stick to your guns make a plan stick to the plan stick to the allocations you don't have to react when the market just is like you know bottoming out and just keep adding it keep buying things out keep buying you know keep putting in the same amount of money and buying the same amount of investments, keep your allocations kind of balanced. And I mean it's probably hard to keep those allocations balanced cuz your bonds probably shoot way up if the whole market would like crash, right? So right. not the best time to rebalance the portfolio perhaps.
0: Well, but at the same time you're you're moving some over to stocks and getting them on sale, right? Yeah. <laughs> um so and, it, and that's one good way to think about it when the stock market drops and you're still investing you're you're getting a discount which is great and the other really nice thing to remember is the stock is only worth what you um sold it for so Mm -hmm. if you're not ready to sell yet then really it doesn't matter
1: right the price is irrelevant
0: right and so for people who are like how do you keep a level head when all of this craziness is going on or when you log in and you see that you've lost money um from the last time you logged in and Honestly, you can just if if you're affected by numbers, but you still want to look at them. Just look at total number of shares that you owned, that because that's a number that will never go down.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just see, oh hey, look, my dividends are still buying me more shares. Life is good, right? Getting, right. I'm mm-hmm. getting more piece of the pie, and even if the pie is shrinking a little bit right now. Think of it like a sponge, right? You take a sponge out of water, it's going to shrink up a little bit. Eventually, that sponge is going to go back in water, and it's going to get even fatter. So mm-hmm. just just wait it out, um, and stick to the plan, right? That is one of our family mottos.
1: Yeah, because the money that you're investing in your, you know, coming out of your paycheck right now is buying you, you know, a tenth of a share or whatever, right? Um, but you know, if the market crashes six months from now and it goes all the way to the bottom, maybe you're buying two, three, four shares, right? Instead. Right. And so, right, the big bargain sale. Right. Uh, Yeah, so.
0: Another thing that I'll remind you is uh, my favorite is there's this, like, thread on the Mr. Money Mustache forums called The Top Is In. And basically, since, like, 2010, 2011, people have been, like, commenting when the market hits a new peak. And they're like, oh, this is it, guys. It's it this time. The top is in. And, like, the joke is that with the stock market, the top is never really in. So... Predictions people made five years ago about like oh we've been in a you know
1: the bubble right yeah. we've
0: been in a bubble for five years and the market's been going up for five years and it's gonna it's gonna have to go back soon like people five years ago were predicting a recession and guess what the market's like gone up 50, 70 percent since then mm-hmm. I mean some insane number right so people who pulled out of the market five years ago waiting for the recession they're still waiting yeah and guess what the rest of us have just been riding the wave up because we stuck to the plan instead of panicking and pulling our money out and now what do you do with it mhm so stick to the plan sit tight you'll be okay
1: right i mean a lot of what we preach on this podcast and certainly this topic is is no exception is not the most sexy way to make money you know for your retirement but it is the most consistent it's the slow path you know it's the tortoise versus the hare model and it's going to make you money right, right. you're, you're going to be successful and the more that you can stick to these guns and stick to these plans, and you know, put more money into this investment area and stay passive, you know, the earlier, earlier and earlier you can retire.
0: Yeah, and one of the books I actually recommend if you want to read a little bit more about uh, the not sexy way to get rich is called Get Rich Slowly, and I forget who it's by, <laughs> but it's a really good book, and it, it it basically just preaches everything we do about stick to the plan, you'll get there eventually. And honestly, very few, for as many people who get rich quickly, there are thousands of people who burn out and you never hear from them. So get rich slowly instead, it's great.
1: No, or you're gonna see them at Walmart when you walk in the front door.
0: Yeah. So. All right, well, thanks for tuning in this week. If you have any questions, as always, feel free to email me. I will drop all of my contact information in below. And if you have an investment policy statement, Uh, you don't have to share it with me by any means, but I would be interested to know if any of our listeners currently just have a statement. So that's a yes or no email that you could send to me of like, yeah, I already have one, or no, I don't have one, but I'm totally going to put one together now. Um, Because I'd be interested to know if anybody out there kind of already has one of these thrown together.
1: Cool. All right. Thanks, guys.
0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, Money moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.